0: Lord for thy grace plan that we thy dwelling place may be.
1: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee faithfully served the Lord for more than seven decades, co-labouring with Watchman Nee in China in the first half of the twentieth century. Before continuing his ministry in Taiwan, later in America, and eventually over the entire earth. He spoke these life study messages before thousands of people, and much of his speaking has been published as over 400 titles. These life studies are perhaps his most significant work, taking 21 years for him to complete, and we're happy today to be able to bring you selected portions from those messages. If you'd like to find out more about his ministry, about the Life Studies themselves, and Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org, or call us, toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now let's join today's program. The Apostle Matthew had a sinful past and came from an unseemly profession. Yet the Heavenly King with the highest stature not only called him without condemning him, but he also dined in his home in the company of many other lowly, sick sinners. All the while, the self-righteous and religious looked on in disgust. Don't miss this view of the intimate calling and salvation of Matthew, the tax collector, on today's Life Study of the Bible. Ron Kangas has joined us again as we come to a wonderful passage of the New Testament in Matthew chapter 9. Welcome back, Brother Ron.
2: Thank you, and it's wonderful for a very particular reason. It reveals Christ in a very precious and endearing way. And it's he who is wonderful in his unveiling of himself that makes this passage so wonderful for us to consider in spirit.
1: Well, I think, Ron, it's it's one of the most sweet, most intimate portions of the New Testament, really. After the long decree that the Lord gave of the constitution of the kingdom in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and then several cases that we've looked at displaying his supernatural authority, we have this very tender account of his calling of Matthew the tax collector. Compare what we see here, Ron, in chapter 9 regarding the calling of Matthew with that of the early apostles, Peter and Andrew, James, and John. We know that the
2: apostles you just mentioned were fishermen, and two were casting nets, and two were mending nets when they were called. It's possible that they had met the Lord before, but they were drawn to him and immediately left their nets and followed him. And of course, with the calling of Matthew, there are obvious similarities that Matthew was at work, and the Lord came by and called him, and immediately Matthew left. Imagine, You're at your job, and then you just get up and leave. But the point that is of exceptional importance here, it's almost virtually certain that Matthew had not met the Lord Jesus before. So there must have been something so compelling and attracting about the Lord's person and presence and word that a man engaged in such a despicable occupation occupying such a low place in society in the eyes especially of the Jews because of how people were defrauded, how he could be called and make such a absolute response to follow the Lord, which implies believing in him and which entails taking the very narrow way that leads to life. And just to anticipate very briefly the very fact that Matthew held this dinner in his home for the Lord and had the only people he really knew as the guests apart from the Lord's disciples. This shows Matthew's deep appreciation for the Lord's calling of him. And it really indicates that he was in a feasting fellowship with the Lord. And so how marvelous that someone so low so despised, so sinful, could be called compellingly by our wonderful Lord and be constituted into one of the apostles, one of the foundation stones of the New Jerusalem, will be this erstwhile tax collector, called, saved, reconstituted, and used by God to write the very
1: book of Matthew which we have the privilege to study. Well, Ron, I think that's a very fitting introduction to our program today. Let's join Witness Lee.
0: Now, Matthew, chapter 9, verses 9 through 17, as the Lord Jesus passing by Matthew, a tax collector sitting there. And he called him, and he followed him. Matthew, as a read of this book, after being called, prepared the feast. In his own house. While the Lord Jesus was feasting there with his disciples, a number of tax collectors and sinners were all there. So this sinner, after being saved, was so grateful to the Lord. He opened up his house and he set up a big feast. These opens this section of the word. So intimate. And I have to say, so fine. Well, the Lord Jesus was there enjoying such a feast with all these low-ranked people. Pharisees saw this. And Pharisees criticized and condemned, saying, how could this Jesus feast with These dirty people. Here we have a very sweet revelation. The Lord told the Pharisees that all these low-ranked people are what? Sick people. They are patients. They are all sick ones. And to them, he was not a judge. He was a physician. A healer. Well, they were so condemning. The Lord Jesus said, go and learn this word. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now is the time I am exercising God's mercy over all these pitiful persons by being a physician to them. I am not here as a judge. I am here just a lovely physician taking care of all their problems. Now I'm healing them.
1: Ron, what a contrast is presented to us in this sweet and intimate section that we just see now in Matthew chapter 9. Maybe you could continue the contrast by developing what's portrayed here between the Pharisees on one hand and what's taking place in the house of Matthew on the other.
2: Matthew, being a tax collector in the eyes of society, in the eyes of the Pharisees in particular, was really a deplorable sinner. And as I indicated earlier, his friends were of that category. Those were mainly the people he knew. So when he wanted to have a dinner, a feast, to honor the Lord, he invited his friends. And the Lord was pleased to go. Then he went into Matthew's house with his disciples and they were feasting together. What a pleasant scene. The Lord, we know, is called the friend of sinners, yet we're told he was separate from sinners. He never lost his standing of sanctification, but he was there in Matthew's home as the friend of sinners, as a physician, and it's so indescribably sweet. Then you have the other side of the picture, religious people. Strict, legalistic, superior in their attitude, judgmental, critical. They are actually condemning the Lord Jesus, saying, What kind of person is this that he would be with such people? So here is a vivid contrast between the Lord as our kingly Saviour, bringing us into a delightful fellowship with Him, and religious people with no heart for this, no appreciation of Christ, no love and mercy toward repentant sinners, just standards, judgment, criticism. And as we were listening to the segment, I just had this impression, Chris, that the talk of the Pharisees is an indicator that they are sick and miserable people, sick and miserable in their religion. They just take offense That there would be someone so different, obviously a special person, or they wouldn't give any attention to him, but he is so different from their religion that there is no way for the two to be compatible. Implied here is the following. There is no middle ground between our wonderful Christ and religion. Christ is versus religion. We are either the forgiven and healed sinners enjoying the Lord, confessing our need for Him, or we are the self-righteous, judgmental Pharisees. Even a Pharisee could join the feasting ones if he would admit his need. That we stand in great peril of becoming religious instead of those who appreciate Christ and enjoy Christ and minister Christ. And in this ministry in general, and in this program in particular, we are burdened to point out to God's people on the basis of the Word. Christ is everything to us for our experience and enjoyment. He does not want us to be religious or to have any kind of religion, old or new. He wants us to admit that we need Him. Then He will save us, He will heal us, He will feed us with Himself. He will constitute us into his loving bride. So, the contrast is clear. Now the choice is ours. Where will we be? Today's Pharisees? Today's religionists? Or the ones who recognize we are today's Matthews? But we've been called and saved, and now we love the Lord, we enjoy him, and we want our friends, fellow sinners, to be introduced to him in the way of delight. Ron, let's go back
1: to Witness Lee.
0: Then the Lord Jesus said, for I did not come to call the righteous. Are you righteous? If you could say no, I am just sinful. Blessed are they who can say this. Because I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I am coming here to call the sinners. The sick ones, not the righteous, not the whole ones. So you have to realize which side you would take. You take the side to be righteous, or you take the side with the sinners. If you take the side with the sinners, I am here a physician to you. He is not only our King, He is not only our Savior, He is not only our life, He is our physician. We must have this vision. If we are sick physically, we must trust in him as our physician. If we are sick spiritually, we must trust in him as our physician. If we are sick emotionally, mentally, we must trust him as our physician. This book is a book of kingdom, yet this book is a book full of the riches of the heavenly king. And this heavenly king is our physician.
1: Ron, what a marvelous revelation that this is of our Lord Jesus. We all need him as a physician on all of these levels at one time or another, don't we?
2: We do, but the crucial matter is whether we know that we do. The Lord was indicating by his clear word that everybody there in the scene, regardless of their situation was a sick person, that sin and death issuing from sin have made us sick. And we need not only to be saved and forgiven, we need to be healed in our whole being. And the Lord was there as a king. He has the authority of God. He could have done all manner of things in the way of dealing with people, but he chose to unveil himself as a physician. But in order to appreciate him as a physician, we need to acknowledge to ourselves and to him that we need him. This is critical, that we need him. Even some that are listening to this broadcast, you may be able to say that you're a sinner and you need to be forgiven. But it's another thing to say, Lord, I'm a sick person. I have all kinds of diseases in me. I need you to heal me. I like to come to you and open myself to you because you're a physician and I'm sick and I'm not here to compare myself with others. That won't make me better. Lord, I'm coming to you as someone who is not well, who is not sound, who is not strong, and I'm asking you to heal me. So we see a twofold revelation here, mainly, of course, of the Lord Himself but also a revelation of our condition. And to summarize this line of fellowship, the matter that determines whether the Lord will be a physician to us will be whether we admit to ourselves and to him that we need him. The more we need him, the more he will be to us. This is a definite principle in the relationship between God and man. Those who have no need, they don't turn to the Lord. Those who have the need, even a desperate need, will not only receive the Lord's forgiveness and not only his healing, but they will find out that he is a rich and wonderful, all-inclusive person who is all the courses of a rich feast for us to enjoy. So it's up to us.
1: The Lord was really putting the Pharisees on a test here. Of course, we face the same test as you've just described each day. What category do we approach him in? Are we the the well, the righteous, the strong, or do we come as Matthew and his friends did? We
2: have to stop comparing ourselves with others and admit our own situation. Even if everyone else is okay, I'm not okay. I need him, so I get
1: him. Well, we've seen thus far today the Lord Jesus clearly in a category outside of the old religion expressed by the Pharisees. As we continue, we're going to see... Another category of religion that the Lord distances himself from. So let's do that now. Here's Witness Lee once again.
0: Following these, Matthew gives us another case. The disciples of John came. The Pharisees are the old-timers of religious people. And the disciples of John are the new-timers of religion. John abandoned every bit of religion. But could you believe? After less than three years, his disciples, after he was put into the prison, these disciples formed a new religion. A religion is to worship God, do things for God, to serve God, to do something pleasing God without Christ. The Pharisees, they did a lot of things for God. But Christ was not there. Now, the disciples of John came, they also, fasting without Christ, fasting without the Spirit. So what they did was another religion. The old religion and the new religion. It is easy to have a religion. Now, the physician, in this case, with the new religion, is no more just a physician. The physician now is the bridegroom. Both the physician and the bridegroom are pleasant persons. Especially the bridegroom is much more pleasant than the physician. If there are not such cases, the Lord Jesus could never be revealed as the physician. And he could never be revealed as the bridegroom. How we thank the Lord for the Pharisees. (laughs) Uh, How we thank the Lord for the disciples of John. We have to thank the Lord for all the religions. Because all the religions offered some occasions that the Lord may be revealed in different aspects. Today it is the same.
1: Well, Ron, it occurs to me that probably very few Bible expositors or preachers have ever thought of the followers of John the Baptist uh, setting up a new modern religion. Witness Lee gives an interesting appraisal here of religion, both old and new. What does he mean when he says that all the religions just afford the Lord Jesus an occasion to reveal himself?
2: There is a key to being able to discern in this matter of religion and that is our appreciation of Christ and our enjoyment of Christ and the value we place upon Christ himself, the person, and all that he is and all that he has done. What is striking about the Gospel of Matthew is not only that it reveals the kingdom, but it reveals Christ and his all-inclusiveness. So if our focus is Christ, and we know Christ is God's focus, then it becomes very clear to us that there are a lot of religious things out there that are void of Christ. There are earnest people, they're serious, they're well-meaning. They may fast, they may do all kinds of things, but it's without Christ. There's no enjoyment of Christ. Christ is not the center. Rather, there's a religious self that's very prominent so you may have the old-timers of religion like the Pharisees that are carrying on the traditions. Then you have new-timers, the followers of John the Baptist, and they could have been rather young adults. But they very quickly turn the teaching and practices of John, their leader, into a religion. But in God's wisdom, religion becomes the background over against which the Lord can reveal himself. Without the background, we would have mainly a doctrinal presentation. Someone is telling you that Christ is this and Christ is that, and although it's true, it's not that impressive. But when you see the old-time religionists, the Pharisees, criticizing the Lord Jesus, his disciples, criticizing his associating with sinners, right away you have an opportunity for the Lord to manifest himself or at least reveal himself as the physician. Thank you, Pharisees for the opportunity. From the other side, the new timers of religion, they're fasting. They're punishing themselves. They're being strict with themselves. But the Spirit is not involved in this and Christ is not the center of this. And they're critical of the Lord. Why are your disciples fasting? That's an indirect criticism of him. So, thank you, disciples of John the Baptist, you new time religionists. You afford the Lord the opportunity to present himself as the bridegroom. Why are they not fasting? Because the bridegroom is here. I'm the bridegroom. And it would be an insult to me if you would be morbidly religious and sorrowful in a funereal way in my presence. I'm a delightful person, and my delight is contagious, and I like my associates to enjoy me, not to be fasting in misery. So the whole question is not, should you fast or not? Should you do this or not? Once we see the aspect of Christ revealed, then we know how to relate to him. So if we see that he's the physician, then how do we relate as patients, as those who know that they're ill and need of a physician? If we realize that he's the bridegroom, then even though we may have the tendency religiously to do this or that, we realize that's not appropriate. We have to go against our religious nature to enjoy the Lord. Now we're in the presence of the lovely bridegroom who wants to make us not only the sons of the bride chamber, but the bride herself. Then we should honor him by enjoying him. So the old timers, the new timers, all the timers of religion miss the mark because they miss Christ. Religion trains people to be experts at neglecting Christ and doing things for God without Christ and without the enjoyment of Christ. So God's people need a recovery of the centrality and all-inclusiveness of Christ, not only in their spiritual understanding, but in their daily experience. We need to enjoy Christ as our physician. We need to enjoy Christ as our bridegroom. This is the burden in this particular
1: message. Well, Ron, we began the program with a very sweet and intimate account. We end the program, though not void of the sweetness and intimacy, with another added element, this element of never neglecting and missing Christ. Thank you for your fellowship. You're welcome. And we uh, thank you for being with us today. We hope this program has unveiled Christ and helped to bring you to the enjoyment of Christ. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Of course, you can write to us, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send email to radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kangas, today I'm Chris Weil. Thank you so much for listening.
2: Receive
0: us into thy wise hands.
1: Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense His life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages... We hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.